This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The art of charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Welcome to the Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best minds in the industry to teach you guys how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise and packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. This show is about you, so we're here to help you become the best you can be in every area of your life. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here and get some killer free ebooks, drills, and exercises that'll help you become more charismatic and confident by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. And if you're new to the show but you want to know more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, and especially at our live programs here in LA, check out the toolbox at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. We've got a lot of fundamentals there. So body language, nonverbal communication, eye contact, vocal tonality, business networking, negotiation, dating, attraction, a lot of stuff that's more important than you might think. And we have our live programs running every single week here in Los Angeles, California, theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp, or you can just email me, jordan at theartofcharm.com. I read everything. Today we're talking with my friend Ben Greenfield. He's been on the show before. He's always a biohacker extraordinaire, really. I don't know how else to say it. We're going to talk about why your Wi-Fi router might be making you fat, why breathing correctly can help you burn fat, and how to monitor and optimize your breathing, of all things electric muscle stimulation, weight vests during the middle of the day for no particular reason, treadmill desks, and something called cold thermogenesis, which you're just gonna absolutely hate. So enjoy this one with Ben Greenfield. You know, we're gonna talk about how to burn fat without working out, is that what the? Burn fat without exercising. Without exercising. The trick part is though, at least without exercising in the traditional sense of the word. Right, because, well, the trick part is I, I'm still gonna work out. I'm still gonna exercise. I like it, but I wanna increase the amount of fat that I burn without doing, like, four hours of cardio, and I don't wanna do, like, deadlifts with 450 pounds or whatever the, like, new, the new rage is, right, with everybody doing all this crazy heavy lifting and stuff like that. So I, I what I want is to burn more calories or whatever I need to do during my regular day. And we sort of touched on this last time you were on the show because you talked about going to the grocery store wearing a weight vest and stuff like that. I'll let you sort of drive because <laughs> I- an elevation training mask. I have one of those, which is awesome. Yeah. And let's, it's let's, a good look at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, people totally think you're like Bane and that you're gonna rob the place and they can't see that you're smiling because you have a mask covering your nose and mouth. Yeah, or at least get in a cool fight in the parking lot. Like Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm, break but, stuff. Yeah. So let's start from the beginning. You know, my, it's funny because this arose out of an email that I had sent you where I was like, listen, I got a personal trainer, I'm doing it, I'm going three times a week, and then the trainer was like, hey man, if you want to lose some of your ridiculously extra body fat, you know, gnarly little collection you're getting around your waist, you need to do more than just work out with me. You know, obviously diet has a, a huge part of it. Can you bike for 90 minutes a day? And I'm like, no, I can't bike for 90 minutes a day. I, cutting out or carving out 90 minutes three times a week to go work with the trainer was like a Christmas miracle in terms of my schedule. And so I want to, I don't need to be working out for four hours a day. And most people who are listening to this, there's no way they can work out 
for that much because they have, I work from home. I have the luxury of doing whatever I want most of the time, but people who work in an office, they still have to keep like the weird factor down. So some of the stuff we'll talk about is probably too weird for your office, but some of the stuff I feel like people can get away with. So the first thing I thought of that all nerdy entrepreneurs are screaming at me is get a treadmill desk. <laughs> first of all, you're such a lazy bastard. Why don't you want to exercise for four hours a day? You know, I kind of, I want to. It would be great if I could just like go on a crazy bike ride every day and walk around the city yeah. and window shop. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. Problem is, got to make that money. Right. Actually, I know something geekier than than the treadmill workstation that everybody's talking about these days. And I think I saw it on a Kickstarter project, and it's like these two bicycling pedals that extend out from underneath the bottom of your desk, so you can basically sit there and bicycle all day. I saw almost that. Like you're almost like you're sitting on a recumbent bike. And actually, like it sounds it sounds kind of nerdy, but it's not that bad of an idea, right? Like if you if you're gonna have to sit even though sitting is not all that great for your back, you can at least have a couple of pedals. And frankly, I think it, it would be easier because I've tried like typing articles and stuff like that when I'm on my my treadmill and I do have one of those treadmill desks, but it can get a little tricky to do things other than say like phone consults and watching stuff. I don't know about, biking sounds so much more tedious and you have to think about continuing to do it while you're doing other things. Walking on a treadmill, especially if the treadmill is moving without you, is something that you're, you're natural. I feel like I could tune that out. Yeah, yeah. Plus with bicycling, there's the whole helmet thing. It's just not a good look in the office. Right, yeah, you need the a helmet and the glasses. You gotta have a, a fluorescent <laughs> vest. The chamois, which can be uncomfortable to walk around in. So, yeah, as far as what to start with, I mean, really, I think that the best place to start would be to think outside the scope of movement completely like think outside the scope of exercise and instead venture into ways that you can achieve what's called non-exercise based thermogenesis um or what, what or, is thermogenesis you know, for people that it, aren't? it's just burning calories without actually doing traditional forms of movement and probably the best example of that is temperature regulation like any time that your body has to venture outside of what would be what's called its homeostatic norm, right? Like somehow manage to maintain 98.6 degrees and have to, to make micro adjustments to get your body back into the proper temperature. It's going to burn calories to do that. And while your body doesn't have to burn a ton of calories to cool itself down, like say if you're, you're sitting in a sauna or something like that or doing Bikram yoga, it does have to burn a really significant number of calories to heat yourself back up or keep yourself warm. And so one of the best ways to just get free calorie burning is to force your body to have to regulate temperature during the day. And there's, okay. there's a few different ways to do that. I mean, like I believe it was the New York Times that just had this article on calorie burning and this trend of like, cooling garments, right? Like cooling vests and cooling shoulder pads and like little cooling belts that you could wear. And you're literally putting uh, special ice packs or cooling packs that come along with this gear that cool your body and usually cover areas on your body that have localized uh, high amounts of what's called brown adipose tissue. You may have heard of this stuff before. It's also called BAT or BAT. Brown, brown fat, is that what that is? Or yeah, is that brown different? fat, brown adipose. I just like to say adipose tissue because it sounds smarter. Right, it makes you sound really intelligent and exactly. educated. So, yeah, fat is just so 
It's so layman. So, so just to back up the truck, I'm purposely making myself cold during the day, which is great because it's actually really friggin' hot in here. I'm in San Francisco. My unit has windows on two sides, and so it's like kind of a greenhouse. I end up turning on the AC even though it's 59 degrees outside because of the sun. I could definitely use some ice packs. I've probably got a lot of brown fat because I have a lot of other fat too, and I hope it's mixed in there somewhere. Yeah, during the day or during the night. Either either way, you're going to burn calories. So I actually keep my house relatively cool. Like I'm in I'm in my basement right now, which is where my office is, and I generally keep that between 55 and 60 degrees. So it's not so cold that I'm like shivering while I'm standing around. And there's no icicles coming off of the ceiling or anything like that. But it's cold enough to where my body has to work just a little bit harder than it normally would, especially if I'm in like a t-shirt and shorts to maintain temperature. Now, when you combine that with a few little tricks like pre-cooling the body at the beginning and the end of the day, which is easily achieved via like doing a cold shower and then occasionally taking dips into even lower temperatures, uh, and, and that would be like using one of these cooling vests or you know pieces of cooling gear, this brown adipose tissue gets activated and that stuff burns calories to generate heat. Okay. So norm, normally you'd burn calories to generate like ATP or energy for like contracting a muscle. Instead, you're just burning calories to generate heat. It's free calorie burning. You can, you, I mean, you can keep your bedroom cool at night or sleep with fewer blankets, fewer comforters. You can do the cooling shower at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. You can keep your office cooler. And if you want to take things to the next level or just make yourself look buffer underneath your your office shirt you can put on these cooling vests (laughs) so So, it's it's like you got a superman costume on but it's just full of lumpy ice packs yeah exactly like a like a lumpy cold superman costume so okay to recap then we're making ourselves cold on purpose because that's what triggers the brown fat into saying hey man your body's too cold i need energy to warm it back up where do i get it oh there's this fat here i should just burn that exactly and and you can use the same trick when you're exercising too like for example, I went swimming this morning. I've I've got one of these little like endless pools out in the forest behind my house. And so I run through the snow out to that pool and I jump in the pool and I keep it at about 65 to 70 degrees. So again, it's not like bone chilling cold, but it's cool enough to where when I'm swimming in that thing, I'm burning a lot of extra calories just because my body's got to stay warm. And and I don't know if it's if it's completely accurate, but they say that Michael Phelps would eat like 10,000 calories a day or more. And there's no way that he was burning all those calories just via his movement, right? Like just via his swimming and still maintaining his body fat levels. And the the thought was that maybe he's burning so many calories because he's just like immersed in water all day long. And his body has to just burn a few extra calories to be able to maintain temperature. So, huh. yeah, I mean, you, you can go like when you go for a run or walk out, you know, you could, for example, wear a little bit less than you normally would do like a a shiver walk or a shiver run where, where you're just a little bit colder than usual. So a few different ways to do Do you literally need to shiver though? Cause that's kind of what that implies. I wrote an article about this for T nation, which is the, the meathead website. That's right. I was like, I was like, is that like teen people or T nation? Got it. T nation. It's kind of like bodybuilding.com. Um, you know, basically just like a, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of, of bro science people 
kind of geeking out on cutting edge ways to to gain as much muscle as possible. And I talk about three different levels of cold thermogenesis, which is another thing that you call this. And the kind of like the hardcore intensity where you burn a lot of calories and where your metabolic rate can go up to 300% higher than what it would normally be at is when you are indeed shivering. Even though you don't have to be shivering to get an effect, like if you want a really high calorie burning effect, then, then you shiver and you will shiver. Like if you wear one of these like cooling vests or whatever for 30 to 60 minutes, you'll start shivering. And that's when you're really getting up into a high calorie burn. Can you focus on what you're doing while you're shivering? Like I'm trying to imagine myself right now doing this and be like, yeah, it's, it's, what else can I do? You know, it'd be awful. Yeah, this would be like you'd save this for like your Facebook time and your mindless email time or like, you know, wa- watching something you wanted to see on YouTube. Like you could still be mildly productive. But yeah, you're you're a little bit distracted when you're shivering. OK, so it. I don't want to do it when I need my game face, like when I'm doing the show, but I can do it when I'm answering people who are like, hey, do you have a show on like like nutrition or anything? Because I don't know how to use the search <laughs> on Google or on your website. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Cool. Yeah. Are the cold packs that come with these vests and stuff, are those reusable? Because it seems like a huge pain to put ice in them and stuff. Yeah, you just keep them in the freezer. Oh, okay, cool. They're totally reusable. Be careful, though. Like, like, don't try and just, like, you know, do a little workaround or hack yourself and, like, go out and get a bunch of, you know, frozen packs from the drugstore and pack them underneath your clothes or, you know, underneath a tight sweater or something because – a lot of those things that, that they're chemical ice packs, and so they can drop lower to a lower temperature than ice would, and they can freeze your skin. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Isn't that burn yeah. your skin? It's, no, yeah. it doesn't. It's designed to not do that. Right. That's not a great look. So make sure that even if you like, you could technically do that, but you'd have to put on like an undershirt and then put the ice in there and then put an overshirt on, and it would start to turn into a little bit of a project versus just <laughs> spending twenty or thirty bucks or whatever. And, right. So, like, you don't want to save 40 bucks and then go out and buy, like, a crap load of frozen peas <laughs> and, lo- like, a really a, a sweater from right. the Salvation Army that's two sizes too small. And wind up in the emergency room with skin burns. Oh, my gosh. Ben Greenfield um, told me to do it. <laughs> I'm ripped, though, now. You know, when, when we're talking about ways that you can burn calories without actually exercising, another really, really good one, this one, this is one that kind of flies under the radar that's really easy to do, is breathing. Right, like a lot of people do shallow chest breathing, and anytime you're not getting as much oxygen, you're downregulating your metabolism. Um, like deep diaphragmatic breathing is a great way to keep your metabolism elevated during the day. And the way that I do this is, first of all, I start off every day with the breath practice. So when I get up and I, I wake up in the morning, what I do for this is I hook up a little a little app that allows me to track my breaths in and my breaths out and my nervous system health and heart rate variability and all that jazz. So I'm just measuring all this for about five minutes in the morning. How does the app and, do that? And what app is um, it? So I use uh, a heart there, – there's a bunch of different heart rate variability apps out there and a bunch of different breath training apps I I actually have one called Nature Beat, um, and that's measuring skin temperature, heart rate variability, breathing, and you know respiration rate, and just basically you know all these things. You can get like like the Bedit app will measure not only your sleep latency and your sleep time, but also like your breath rate while you're asleep. So you could see if your if your methods or or your efforts to to get deeper breaths are staying with you as you're sleeping. How does it know? Um, is it a device and an app? 
Yeah, it's a device on an app. Oh, okay. So, I was like, how does your yeah, phone? Yeah, it's like it's like this little strip that goes underneath your sheet when you're when you're sleeping at night, or or right underneath between like your mattress sheet um, and your mattress. So wow, that's a cool that's a cool app to track it at night. Um, it's kind of tough. You you can wear there's this little health patch that you can get that you stick to your skin that you can track your breath with during the day. But I mean, it's a little bit intuitive, right? Like if you just find yourself shallow chest breathing during the day, then it's a pretty good sign that that you're not engaged in deep diaphragmatic breathing. But what I like to do is set a standard early in the day. So I'll do that breathing, focusing on deep breathing before I get out of bed in the morning for about five minutes. And then I also do about 10 to 15 minutes of yoga in the morning with a really, really good focus on the inhales, you know, where you like inhale and go into warrior one and then exhale out of that and inhale and go into warrior two. Mm-hmm. And I'll basically go through these different yoga poses and that sets a pattern for really deep breathing throughout the day. The other thing that you can do is a lot of these apps that measure your nervous system strength, like there's the nature beat one, there's one called sweet beat, there's one called inner balance. They will track whether or not you are starting into shallow chest breathing and it'll send a little signal to your phone. Your phone will vibrate or oh, beep, yeah. and, and it'll show what's called a breath pacer on the screen. And it'll remind you and even show you, you know, it, it, the bar on it goes up as you're supposed to breathe in. And then the bar will decrease as you breathe out. And it kind of gets you back into the proper breathing pattern. And then as soon as your breathing is aligned, the screen disappears and you go back to your normal day-to-day activity. I don't think that anybody needs to be plugged into some Bluetooth device all day long monitoring themselves, you know, for their entire lives. But just to do this for like two or three days or a week until you get into the right habit and you identify, you know, the times of day that cause you to engage in shallow chest breathing, like, you know, whatever, when you're checking emails and or checking Facebook or maybe maybe you really get into your good deep diaphragmatic breathing when you're, I don't know, watching YouTube or something. Um, anyways, though, you, you identify the times that you tend to engage in shallow chest breathing. Once you become aware of that, sometimes that's all it takes, right? That's and really cool. Be able to start deep diaphragmatic breathing. I'm surprised you said you don't want to be plugged into something 24-7. It seems like so right up your alley to have something monitoring oh, your breathing 24-7. No, it's, it's not. Like, I am... I am convinced that just like we found out with cigarette smoking and then we found this out with cell phones, there's a warning label on the boxes of cell phones. Now, I think we're eventually going to find out that all these Bluetooth wearables and you know, all these devices may not be as healthy for us as we think to be connected to 24-7. Yeah. You know, there, there was this big article that first appeared on CNET about Google Glasses. I know people were getting like headaches and migraines and you know, the, the hypothesis was that part of this might be just to that consistent electrical activity humming around people's heads. Yeah. And so, you know, regardless of whether or not it's like a lower signal than a cell phone signal or whatever, you know, it being Bluetooth, I still think that, you know, for, for me, there's not enough consistent research out there on the long-term effects of Bluetooth technology for me to feel comfortable having like a Fitbit on 24-7. So I actually don't. I wear that little thing for five minutes every morning. I do a quick check-in, and then I'll tell people, yeah, occasionally, you know, do measure something throughout the day to just check in, whatever. If you're going to see how many calories you're burning on your average day or what kind of things cause you to engage in shallow breathing. And then once you have that figured out, unplug. 
right? Yeah, that so. makes sense. I'm wearing a Fitbit right now. I'm probably going to die early, unfortunately, from that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but you're probably getting a little bit of wrist cancer right now. Wrist cancer. Good thing it's on my non-dominant <laughs> hand, so whatever, no big deal. Um, yeah, you know, it does worry me to have electromagnetic stuff all over the place. One thing that freaks me out a little is, since I live in San Francisco, there's a hardware startup below me called Vessel that's a cup that like has Wi-Fi and tells people what's in it and how many calories yeah. are in it and tracks <laughs> your hydration. It, and I'm thinking, okay, this is a cool idea, but the irony is there's so much Wi-Fi interference in my apartment that I can barely use Wi-Fi at all, and I, I can't use things like AirPlay that need a lot of bandwidth. So what that yeah. means is there's so much electromagnetic stuff going around me that even Wi-Fi just gives up, even on like really good hardware. I honestly hadn't really planned on even bringing this up, but that stuff can affect your metabolism. I mean, technically... Wi-Fi? You, you, yeah, because all your cells operate on an electrochemical gradient. I mean, that's, that's how your body works, right? So anytime that you've got a big dump of positive electrons, like such as you would get from like a Wi-Fi router or you know, having a cell phone held up to your head or whatever, you're affecting that electrochemical gradient. That's why you feel better when you go out and like stand outside in your bare feet or you stand by a waterfall or you walk along the beach. Like you're getting this big dump of negative electrons rebalance that electrochemical gradient. But since that's the way that your cells work, you could technically be slowing your metabolic activity by consistently getting exposed to electrical pollution. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think that turning off your Wi-Fi router is going to give you a six-pack, but you know, it's something to think about. Yeah, I, it's unfortunate. I feel like it's totally unavoidable because even if I turn off everything electrical in my house, I've got people doing God knows what in every unit around me here in Silicon Valley. I'm in South Park, so this is where all of the startups are. So, I mean, Google Ventures is next door mm-hmm. probably launching like, hey, we figured out how to make Wi-Fi go two miles. We're just going to aim it at Jordan Harbinger's house and see if it goes all the way through to our Google office, which is exactly, I'm right between them and their other office. So I'm I'm practically 802.11b just in my earlobes. You need to build a tree fort. Yeah, a tree fort in San Francisco. I'll find a a tree and then I'll start from there. I mean, you live in the woods, right? So not everybody can do that. The the negative ion thing, though, Dr. Isaac Jones brought that up. That just sounds so hokey to me. But I'm not a scientist, and I haven't looked at the research. It just seems weird to be like, I'm standing on a dirt mat. I'm negative yeah. ion charged yeah. now. I mean, what? Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, just just go to PubMed and start to search around for negative ions, grounding, earthing. There's some really good research out there on it. So, okay, so a few other things for burning calories without necessarily exercising in the traditional sense of the word. And now we're probably going to start to delve into some of the things that actually require you to move, you know, versus like breathing and – and um you know, being cold. One would be just this concept of short movement activities throughout the day. Like, for example, when we, I pinged you around noon and I was like, yo, Jordan, and you guys were testing sounds. You said five minutes. Well, I went and did 20 pull-ups in those five minutes. I went over to the pull-up bar, which is in the door of my office (laughs) and just started hanging from the pull-up bar and doing pull-ups because that's an opportunity for me to get a little bit of exercise in during the day. Like the way that I think about this is I'm like, what would one of our hunter-gatherer ancestors have done throughout the day, right? Like they'd be bending, picking up something heavy every once in a while, maybe lunging, you know, hanging from something and pulling themselves up. So if you can, if you can surround yourself with ways that you can inject small bursts of fitness into your daily routine, 
then you can burn calories all day long. And it kind of forces you to get up and around too. So the pull-up bar in the door of the office is is one thing that you can do. Another thing is to just have something heavy, right? Like a like a, a heavy medicine ball or like one of these, they call them pancake sandbags, right? They're they're a little bit low profile and slightly less messy than like getting a sandbag from the hardware store. Yeah. But you can like shove them under your desk and you can easily like pick up a sandbag 10 times. Just like a basic sandbag deadline. Are those those, those um, like duffel bags that are just really heavy? They look those like duffel are, bags. Those are big. Like those are big sandbags. I'm talking about, well, like, you know, for example, I know that on it is uh, one of the one of the folks that you guys work with at Art yes. of Charm. They have like these sandbags. If you go to their website and look at them in the fitness section, like they've got one kind of sandbag that's like a duffel bag. And then they've got another type that's just like this small kind of low profile. Like you can get them in 30 or 40 or 50 pounds. And that's an easy way in the traditional office setting to just have something heavy, you know, where you can't necessarily drag a barbell on a bunch of plates in and put them next to your desk and be like, I'm going to deadlift now. But I mean, you can, you can grab a send bag and pick that up 10 times and set it back down and get back to what you're doing. Uh, you can do pull-ups. You can not even use any equipment and use the Pomodoro technique, like a 25-5 or I remember what it's not really 25-5 that's the best. I think it's like 52-7 or something like that for like how productive you can be by taking X amount of time on and then, you know, X amount of time off. Uh, but anyways, you can do things like during that rest period, jumping jacks, burpees, you know, body weight squats, just basically having little rules that you set for yourself throughout the day. Like for every 25 minutes that I sit, I'm going to do 20 jumping jacks or every time I go to the bathroom, take a bathroom break. When I use the bathroom, I'm going to do 25 air squats or, you know, every time that I got to walk over to the printer, I'm going to drop and do 10 pushups. And you just have these little rules set throughout the day so that by the time you finish the day, maybe you've done 30 pull-ups and 50 push-ups. And depending on how regular your bathroom activities are, you know, whatever, 70 air squats. And you can get to the end of the day and have exercised a pretty significant amount of time just by setting up those little rules throughout the day and then uh, enabling yourself with some extra things that enable you to to kind of do a little bit more, like the pull-up bar in the door of the office or the little sandbag underneath your desk. But that stuff adds up pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it does. I, I man, I, I drank so much tea that if I did air squats every time I went to the bathroom, I would be <laughs> in crazy shape by the end of uh, the first month. Have monster quads. Oh man, it would be. Yeah, I'd have to buy new pants. I literally, I mean, it, it that could get out of control. Um, and getting caught doing it though would be really funny. Huh? Like, do you do it when you're out at, with people, like at a restaurant? You ever just like? I've thought about that before. And so, what I figured out is like, if you're in the stall in like an airport or whatever, if you kind of stand over the toilet and space your feet just so, nobody really knows that you're doing squats, right? right. If you just look at the feet, it kind of looks like you're just going to the bathroom. Right. So, they just, they, just yeah. they, they might wonder when you're like seventeen. Eight, uh, 19, 20, uh, then they're just like running. <laughs> they run out the door <laughs> with their exactly. luggage. Exactly. Counting yeah. out loud is not something <laughs> Believe it or not, you can do exercise without counting out loud. I suppose. Despite I, what your personal trainer would have you to believe. I love that idea. I mean, the fact that you can do these things and space them out over the day, that actually seems like a really good idea. I mean, you know, people would sort of have you believe that if you're not having a solid 30 to 40 to hour long, whatever, like real workout where you're just sweating bullets that you're not really getting anything in. But 
doing a little bit of exercise throughout the day, you're saying keeps what? Is it is it just the calories you burn, or is it like are you keeping your metabolism up? Is that a thing that happens? Because that sounds, I you know you hear about that, but is that more '80s nutrition knowledge? Is metabolism up and down throughout the day? Does it yeah, go keeping, up? And you keeping your metabolism up sometimes I can sound kind of airy fairy. It's like what exactly does that mean, yeah. right? I mean, but specifically one of the primary things that happens is an upregulation of lipase. So you get increased lipase activity and lipase is the enzyme that's responsible for burning fat. So, you know, it's the same enzyme that gets upregulated when you, for example, stand, you know, or, or walk or, you know, move in general. And the one that gets downregulated when you sit and specifically when you sit for any period of time longer than two hours. So, the idea is that you're you're basically keeping lipase elevated. Now, you're not necessarily increasing fitness. That's the thing to understand. Like if you really want to get like a bigger VO2 max or whatever, gain a bunch of muscle or something like that, you got to exercise for a longer period of time than like, you know, 10 seconds here and one minute there. Like you got to get a, like a good solid 20 to 60 minutes of exercise in. But if you just want to keep that lipase enzyme elevated or, you know, a higher metabolism throughout the day or even just fight off some of the the chronic disease health risks of being in a sedentary position most of the day, then it's enough to just like get up and move and do the little pull-ups and deadlifts and squats and push-ups throughout the day and kind of let exercise be the optional icing on the cake to increase your fitness that if you don't have time to do it at the end of the day, then eh, that's okay because you've kind of been burning calories all day long anyways. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. So it's easy enough to get a pull-up bar for your place. It's easy enough. I've got these on it kettlebells that they sent me that are awesome. And I I like those because you can keep them out because they don't look yeah. get, like ghetto because they have like yeah. the monkey. And, oh, they have the monkey ones, yeah. yeah. I mean, kettlebell, kettlebell swings, they've compared that to all-out sprinting. And kettlebell swings uh, match the testosterone and the growth hormone producing effect that you get from an all-out sprint. They burn as many calories. You got to do them for a long period of time to achieve this effect, but they can also increase your VO2 max. Um, and by a long period of time, I mean the studies that have shown that kettlebells increase your VO2 max for 15 seconds on, 15 seconds off for 20 minutes. And that's a pretty that's, that's a, a pretty time. tough kettlebell workout. That's yeah, gonna, that's that's, that's going to have you pitting out in your in your dress shirt. Yeah, for yeah, definitely. I used to do like a hundred swings and then you know jump ropes in between sets of 25 swings for like mm -hmm. a minute or two and that I you know you'd be dripping sweat at that yeah. point. But you could easily say like okay, my rule on Tuesdays, Thursdays and Fridays is I'm going to do 30 swings for every hour that I'm at work. Right? Like that's doable and that's going to have a significant increase in in your metabolic upregulation, your fat burning, all that jazz cool. while you're while you're at work. And then you kind of get into the thing that that you were talking about, like the treadmill workstations and the standing workstations. And those give you a pretty significant effect too. I mean, and not only do you get the calorie burning and the fat burning enzyme effect, but what studies have shown is you get an increase in the brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So you get better neuronal growth, better focus, better cognitive performance when you're doing something other than sitting. So, and, and then there's also the effect on your, on your low back health, right? There's just less low back compression when you're standing and moving versus when, when you're sitting. So, uh, one option is just a standing workstation. And the problem with standing workstations is they can get really uncomfortable, right? Like you're, you feel like your hips lock up and your feet get sore. Sometimes the knees get sore. The problem with that is that just like sitting for long periods of time can be bad for your back. 
and bad for your health, standing for long periods of time can be tough on your joints too. So you have to shift positions. So for example, right now I am standing. I have my left leg bent and up on a platform. In this case, the platform is, is the treadmill that's next to my standing desk because I have one of those too. Um, my bottom foot is on this mat, but it's like this foamy mat. Um, and you can just like go get like a piece of dense foam from the fabric store and a thick piece of dense foam is going to distinctly change your comfort when you're standing all day long versus standing on wood or carpet or some kind of a hard floor. It lets you kind of shift positions throughout the day. It's easier on your feet. You don't get quite as sore. It's a little bit easier to keep your knees bent. So I'm a big fan of having things around your desk. If you are going to do this whole standing workstation thing that puts you into positions like things that things that give you options, right? Other places to put your feet, a stool, or I guess if you wanted to, to kind of get a little bit better ambiance, maybe like a, you know, a log or something that looks nice that you could put your, your foot up on, um, you know, but basically ways that, that allow you to change your position throughout the day when you're standing. And sometimes I'll take my laptop, I'll put it on the floor and I'll lie down and then I'll stand up. And sometimes if I'm at a table, I'll lunge or I'll kneel instead of sitting down. So oh, cool. the, the key is you're frequently changing your position throughout the day. There's not like a hard and fast rule that it has to be standing. What is more important is that you consistently change positions throughout the day. It's great for mobility. It's great for keeping you moving, but it's also good for getting the benefits of not sitting without finishing the day and feeling like you've been like, you know, whatever, like a waitress, you know, working all day where, you know, like my wife used to be a waitress and she complained at the end of the day because like her feet were sore and her back was sore and her knees were sore. Because she was a lot of times just like in this one standing position or else walking and she was never lunging or kneeling or lying down or like having one foot up and one foot down or standing on a foam mat. Right. Once you start to incorporate all these other ways that you can stand during the day or different positions that you can be in as an alternate to sitting, it makes this whole don't sit thing a lot more comfortable. Okay. All right, back to the show. Okay, cool. I, I like that a lot because, yeah, standing sucks just as much as sitting after a while. Right, Being in exactly. one position all day just is not cool. And the treadmill desk thing seems really cool because it's super easy. I can do it you know, easily, have a standing desk set up. Even in my studio, I don't know if I'd want to do it while I'm broadcasting. It might just be a little distracting or, or weird, but... I've found that it's very easy to podcast and to, to, you know, interview and things like that when you're standing. The treadmill is definitely distracting. Not only does it make a little bit of noise, but it's just, it's tough. Frankly, you get out of breath when you're talking. And when oh, yeah. I'm doing like a phone consult with somebody, that's not that noticeable and they don't really care. And a lot of times I'm straightforward. I'm like, Hey, I'm walking on the treadmill while I'm talking to you, just so you know, you know, and, and that way if I get out of breath after I'm droning on for like five minutes, they don't think that I'm, you know, some fat guy smoking cigarettes who's about to die of a heart attack and it's right. just because I'm walking on my treadmill. Sure. Um, These are all kind of small little things which I, I, I like. So, so far, you know, working out during the middle of the day and you don't have to have all this gear. I mean, if you can't put a pull-up bar up in your office because whatever, you can maybe grab a kettlebell and do some swings. And if you're if you're not the boss in the office and you don't have an office where you can close the door and you're in a cubicle, 
you know, go do air squats in the stall. It's weird, but whatever, right? I mean, you can deal with that. Or stand on one foot and talk. Is there anything for people who are in work environments where they're like, I'm stuck in a cubicle, I can't stand, I can't, you know, walk on a treadmill, this isn't Google, you know, they're not able to, like, grab a kettlebell and do it because their boss is going to be like, hey, dude, this isn't Google, you know, you can't do that in here. Are those guys relegated to the men's room doing air squats over the toilet, or is there something else these guys can do if if there's, like, a weird factor? I mean, it's great. What we've covered so far is awesome for guys like me working at home and nobody can tell me, ain't nobody tell me what to do, but people who are working in a cubicle or in an office where they can't close the door, they're limited. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, of course, you know, when you do use the restroom, air squats are going to come in handy if you got to be sitting down all day. Uh, but first of all, remember the thing I said about breathing. You can still control your breathing. I don't think that your boss is going to come over and huh. request that Why you, you please engage in shallow chest breathing. I don't like how high your metabolism is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that's really important is posture, right? Because if you're sitting, like I don't, I don't know if you've ever tried this before, but like when you're sitting for long periods of time, if you like squeeze your butt and squeeze your core and sit up straight, I've thought about this before at conferences, right? Where, I've, where I'm like sitting and I got to be sitting uh, just so I'm not that one person like standing off to the side, making everybody else feel awkward. <laughs> um, I've, you know, figured out ways that you can actually sit and still activate a lot of muscles. I mean, if you're sitting right now listening to this, just try pulling in your belly button and creating a little bit of a stomach vacuum, squeezing your butt, pulling your shoulders back and sitting up straight like the way that people would have been done when they were sitting around like the parlor room in Victorian times when chairs were at a perfect 90 degree angle, right? Like and there's no option but to do that. So put on your Victorian garb and work on the posture. And and specifically what you can do to work on posture is just begin to get into that position during the day where you're not only sitting up straight and squeezing your butt and squeezing your abs, but the one thing that I've found to automatically cause a lot of that stuff to get activated is you plant your feet on the ground and you externally rotate your hips without actually letting your knees go far apart. And it's kind of difficult to explain, but Basically, what that means, if you're familiar with the term, is you're isometrically contracting your external rotators. So that's the external rotators of your hips. And the way that you do this is you sit down and you you act like you're going to rotate your hips and bring your knees farther apart. And you, you contract all those muscles, but you don't actually allow your knees to get farther apart. When you do that, you're going to automatically feel your back straighten up, your butt squeezes a little bit, your core tightens, your shoulders squeeze back. And you can actually activate a lot of muscles just by sitting properly. And when you combine that with breathing properly, that's going to have a pretty big effect on your metabolism versus just like slumping, letting your butt go dead, letting your core go dead, not activating like your calf muscles and your quad muscles. So that's one thing that you can do, whether you're at an office or in a car or an airplane or whatever, like you can still activate a lot of muscles. Yeah. So posture is really important. I, the airplane thing, that's a perfect time to do it in an airplane because you right. can't really, half the time you can't get up, overnight flight, everyone next to you is asleep, you're, you know, window seat, you're stuck in there. Yeah, yeah. That, that definitely, that definitely makes a lot of sense. But the cold pack yeah. thing is interesting. How, how long do I need to wear icy stuff on my body during the day? 30 to 60 minutes. Okay, I think so that, you did that's, say that. That's kind of the money zone. Okay. It's 30 to 60 minutes. Um, Any particular uh, time of day? 
Um, it, it's not that important. I mean, technically the earlier that you boost your metabolism, the better. So if you can do it in the morning, then you get that, that cold burst kind of sticking with you for a few hours. Cause it's just like exercise after you've had it on, you know, after you've done that activity, your metabolism does stay elevated for a few hours afterwards. What if so, I work out in the morning? Should I wait and then do it in the afternoon? The way that I would do it, if I worked out in the morning, I would hop in the shower and do a two to five minute cold shower after a workout, right? So you get the you get the core temperature back down and you're forcing yourself to automatically kind of get back down to your original temperature from your workout and then force yourself to have to heat yourself back up. And then like after lunch, for example, you okay. put on the, the cooling gear. So you got a couple times during the day when you're cooling. And ideally, like in the evening, you get another cold shower in. Is there any um, time that you don't want to do the cooling stuff? I guess it's more important. Like if I just worked out, do I want? I don't want to throw ice packs on me or does it not matter? I suppose on the days where you're wearing a sheer white t-shirt, you may want to be careful with cooling and the amount of, of of nippleage that you show sure okay there's yeah. that um i was hoping you'd, you'd catch on where i was going with that yeah um the no there's not really any time that's contraindicated really i mean okay. like you could do it whenever it's not it's not gonna have a deleterious effect or like give you a cold or something if you you know do it too close to bedtime or something like that so okay. no i mean like i'm i'm pretty much tapping into cold like that's honestly one of the primary things that i do the one thing you should be aware of is caloric hypercompensation meaning when you get cold you get hungry and you got to be aware of that and you got to be willing to like drink more fluids, kind of keep your appetite distracted with things that don't have a lot of calories in them. Like say like, you know, kombucha or sparkling water or gum or snacks that don't have a lot of calories, like, you know, like carrot sticks or pickles, stuff like that. But make sure that you know that your body's going to say, okay, feed me a little bit more because I want to get more calories to stay warm. And so if you look at like polar swimmers, right, like a lot of times they're fat and they have this layer of body fat and a lot of times that is that brown fat that brown adipose tissue and a lot of people say oh well cold makes you gain fat it makes you gain insulation that's true if you eat a bunch of calories when you're doing it but if you're able to have self-control and not calorically hypercompensate after you get cold all it does is make you burn fat awesome okay that's good to be aware of because i can definitely see myself being like I'm starving, but you know, I worked out and I'm wearing this cold vest, so I'm burning off all these calories. Ooh, bacon or whatever, instead of being like, all right, right I'll drink a glass of tea. Actually, bacon's a bad example because I'm just going to eat that, let's be honest. But you know, <laughs> something that's not delicious and or really good for you could get consumed instead, like some cheese and, and crackers or something that's just, con that is contraindicated uh, right. by, by all exactly. sensible folks. Glad you're, glad you're picking up on the medical terminology there. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, we use fancy terms around here. Um. <laughs> so I've, I've got one other idea for you, and this does kind of fall into like kind of like the biohacking realm or whatever. I but knew you were going if in. you've seen like those made for TV, you know, get a six pack abs when you put the electrodes on your abs, you know, or these these uh, what are called like uh, uh, EMS, electrical muscle stimulation machines. Right. Uh, despite how much flack those things catch for you know being the made for TV, get a six pack abs by putting electrodes on your stomach, they do actually work. They do actually, I'm, I'm not talking, some people mix up TENS units, which stands for tran transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation. And these like fight pain, right? Like you put them on your back and they hit the, the pain receptors and they override those pain receptors, but they don't actually contract any muscle. They're called TENS units. 
And there's another type of unit called an EMS, electrical muscle stimulation. That grabs actual muscle fibers and makes them contract. And some of these can do that at a really, really powerful high level. Like there are some NFL athletes using like the, the ten to $12,000 electrical muscle stimulation machines to actually do their entire workouts, like to simulate like a 600-pound squat. I mean, you can grab a lot of muscle with these things. That sounds um, like you could hurt yourself with that thing too, if they can you, simulate that much. You could. That's the one that, like, you see Dave Asprey using sometimes in his his videos and stuff like that. Um, that that's a really powerful and really expensive one. But there are others. Um, for example, there's one called a Compex. I think it's like it's somewhere between like a thousand and fifteen hundred dollars. So again, not not like super duper cheap, especially compared to like an ice pack. A kettlebell on an ice pack, yeah. yeah or or yeah. a kettlebell. But you can put these things, and I'll do this on like on, on a long airplane ride. Like, you know, I'll, I'm going to Dubai next week and and I'll have this thing on like my quad and my hamstrings. I'll be working out my legs while I'm on the plane. Um, and they're easy to use. You just slap the electrodes on the muscle that you want to fire. And I like the legs because those burn a lot of calories. Um, and you turn the thing on, you leave it on for like 20, 30 minutes. A lot of times nobody needs to know, you know, aside from the slight twitching underneath your pants that you have one of these things on <laughs> and depending um, on the twitch. Yeah. And, and anytime that you're, that you're doing that, you're causing a little bit of heat in that area. You're making the muscles contract. You're keeping the blood flowing. You're keeping the metabolism a little bit elevated. Um, they can actually build muscle as well. So, um, you know, that, that's a cool little thing to, to have around if you do want to get just a little bit of an, an extra workout and, and they're, they're mildly distracting, right? When your legs like twitching and you have the electrodes going, but it's actually not that bad. Like if you have electrodes on say like both legs, your upper body's fine. Like you can, you can be sitting there or standing there, you know, typing and talking and working away and your lower body's just kind of doing its thing and working out while your upper body's working. So yeah, yeah that's cool. Those are kind of cool. I mean, some, some people think they don't work at all, but they actually, um, they actually have something to them. That is kind of weird too. From the guy who doesn't want a Bluetooth, he's just going to be like, no, nah, I'm going to attach electrodes to my muscles now. <laughs> Whatever. No big deal. Yeah, but hey, it's that a, Wi-Fi it's a electrical router, signal. It's not a pulsed microwave similar to like a Bluetooth or, or a cell phone. You know, now that I have my arms crossed in my lap and a Bluetooth wristband on, I'm starting to feel like, you know, that whole, it's that whole don't keep your cell phone in your pocket thing all over again. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, last but not least, what about wearing a weight vest just around the house? I thought about that because you're lifting. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like that could be hard on your joints if you're just wearing this for mm. eight hours a day. But also the way that I think about it is you're wearing that anyway. It's just lard. Like some weight vests, like the cheapo ones you might find on eBay or Amazon, they don't do a very good job distributing your waist. You get really tight traps. Um, you can get yeah. tight shoulders. And they're not that biomechanically sound. They're very uncomfortable. And there are some vests that have more even distribution of weight, along with ankle weights and wrist weights, that simply cause you to burn more calories because you're moving more weight as you stand around. If you take an obese person and you measure their resting metabolic rate, obese people say, oh, I have a slow metabolism. That's why I'm overweight. Their metabolic rate is through the roof because their body has to burn so many calories, even just sitting around just to breathe against extra weight, much less move against extra weight. So you actually burn a significant number of calories when you're having to move and breathe against extra weight. Again, like, you know, talking about a company like Onnit, They've got one called uh, Hyperware, and that's a pretty good one. It wraps around your entire body. It distributes the weight throughout your entire body. A company that was on Shark Tank, Titan Tech, they also they didn't do a very good job getting this point across when they were on Shark Tank. But one of their key defining characteristics is 
they distribute the weight of that weighted shirt all over your body rather than just concentrating it in one uncomfortable spot like a weight vest does. So yeah, get, get like a good weighted garment that evenly distributes the weight and you'll be comfortable wearing that thing all day long. Cool. So you recommend the on it one, not just because like they sponsor us, let's make them happy, but because I'm looking at this and I'm thinking I need to get a weight vest, but the problem is I've worn a weight vest before and you like can't bend over they cover yeah. your waist so it's hard to go to the bathroom because they're designed for working out. They're not thinking, yeah, this joker's going to wear this for eight hours tomorrow. They're thinking this is going to be a yeah. dude working out half an hour oh, the, in a weight vest. Those, um, those hyperwear ones. Like if, if I had to choose one to wear during the day, I'd wear the hyperwear or the Titan deck. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely would look into that because for God's sake, you're not even then doing anything other than what you're normally doing. You're just adding 10 or 15 pounds of extra weight to it, which is like a no-brainer completely. Especially when you're doing air squats above oh, a toilet. Above a toilet somewhere in an airport or a cubicle. <laughs> Thanks so much, Ben. Love this stuff. There's a lot in here, so I kind of want to recap. Electric muscle stimulation, wearing a weight vest, doing little things with kettlebells, pull-up bars during the day, cold thermogenesis vests, and treadmill desks. And uh, am I missing anything? I think you got most of it, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you have more questions, feel free to just ping me anytime. I'm you, happy to help. You know it, man. Thank you so much. The show notes will include the rest, of course for anybody that missed anything, and we'll include some links so that people can find out what you recommend versus going on eBay and looking for one and finding out that this is the cold vest that uses frozen peas and now you got skin burns or whatever it is. Thanks so much, man. All right, thanks, Jordan. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that one. I definitely thought it was weird that your Wi-Fi router could make you fat. Jury's still out on that, at least in my mind. There's probably science behind it. I definitely want to try the breathing optimization. That seems really cool. And, you know, honestly, I do take shallow breaths. It's bad for the show. I know you're just sitting there going, should I unsubscribe? This guy's a really shallow breather. But I want to try that. I think that's really interesting. And I do feel better when I breathe correctly. And when I did martial arts back in the day, I did notice big changes from doing that. I'm probably going to stay away from the electronic muscle stimulation, at least for now. But I'm definitely going to be picking up a weight vest so I can just look and be ridiculous here at AOC in my studio with 15 extra pounds hanging off of my off my upper body. And treadmill desk is off also definitely in my future. Cold thermogenesis. It sounds terrible, so bad, in fact, that I might just make myself do it. I'll let you guys know how that goes. I hope you enjoyed that one. Show feedback and guest suggestions. The show is a fanarchy. It's run by you. And we rely on you to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let us know. Jordan at theartofcharm.com. That's me. If you enjoy this, don't forget to thank our guest on Twitter. We'll have that linked up in the show notes. Bootcamp details at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. And if you're listening to this but you're not subscribed, subscribe in iTunes. Or we have our iPhone and Android apps, theartofcharm.com slash iPhone or slash Android. Those are both free, of course. And special thanks to the Jasons for their help in production of this show. Please tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. So have a great week. Go out there and get social and leave everything and everyone better than you found it. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com.